Welcome to the best of 2010 Requiem Metal Podcast Part 1. We just heard Kylesa, Tired Climb, and Cheating Synergy from the Spiral Shadow record. A little bit of uh, Philip Cope and Laura Pleasance rocking the house. Uh, Laura Pleasance makes me pleasant. I'm Jason. <laughs> and I'm Mark. And welcome to yet another year. I think this is our third uh, countdown, but I think our fourth year. Uh, that we've been. Well, we're approaching running, our fourth year. Approaching our fourth yeah. complete year, but I, we're we're in the midst of at least we're that's, above three years. That's insane. Point. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And it's almost longer than we've done any of the zines. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and more consistent than any yes, of the zines we've yes, ever done. That's for so. sure. But uh, you know, 2010, uh, it was a it was a pretty eclectic year actually. When you when you put a, a, you know these lists together, uh, it seems as if last year there was. Um, at least something kind of thematic in terms of like the the presence of I guess hardcore ISIS-y kind of bass bands like the the Baroness, the Converge, the Coalesce. There was, yeah. there was some of that kind of going on. Uh, this year it's all over the place. I mean, there's kind of oddball black metal things mixed in with you know punk rock influence things and very like sludgy things. I well, mean, at had, first I I thought it was a really lackluster year actually, and then um, you start to put it together and it's just, there's nothing obvious. I don't think this year. I mean, the most. I mean, what would you think? What's the most obvious record that's fantastic? The most obvious things I think that that everyone thought would I mean, be outside there of enslaved is probably enslaved in Watain. Those yeah. are probably like the things that like you know when we were brainstorming on oh my god you know what's Decibel's top five or top ten going to be you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, I had a sneaking suspicion about the Agalak based on the the score they gave it and based on a couple of other things, but um, you know it was a it was a. It was a crazy year, you know. There was it was kind of the dominance of some of the the oddball labels, I guess. You know, the Profound Lores, the Southern uh, Season of Mist, Season uh, of Mist, even Southern Lord had yeah. a couple pretty monumental. Rise Above had some kind of great releases. I mean, it was yeah. it was a unexpected year where the major labels um, had a few things. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I, I guess by major I mean the major underground metal labels, the Century Media's and Nuclear Blast. Well, and even like some of the other like uh, like Maverick and uh, I forget what is Maiden on. Oh boy, good question. Probably uh, B- BMG, maybe uh, Universal. Yeah, yeah, Sony Universal. So, uh, just a, a quick reminder for like last year we had uh, Kylesa mm-hmm. again yeah. uh, for the Static Tensions record, Unanimated, uh, Hypocrisy. Uh, Asphyx had their comeback record. You yeah. t- said Baroness, Keelhall, yep. Gruder Grind, Sark, Mastodon, Marduk, uh, sure, Funeral un- Mist. Un- un- unanimated is probably in there somewhere. Yeah, Unanimated. Paradise um, Lost, probably. Yeah, Coalesce, Catatonia. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was just like, duh. Yeah, kind of and, uh, some obvious things. Yeah, and this this year was just, it's taken, this is probably the longest it's taken me to actually have a coherent list yeah well and i think too what's weird is you had some some big dogs that came out last year and this year um some of the big dogs swung and didn't hit them out of the park you know um you know i think of like a record like dark tranquility we are the void which is a decent record but it didn't really advance the sound much at all it didn't really you know do do a lot for me you know i felt like knock mystium's uh you know black metal part two Addicts. uh, addicts was uh, was almost there, but it wasn't. It's kind of like an in between record. You it, know, it's, it sounded it's not fully like realized. It was like know? a really good. It could have been a really good EP. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and it just it, it had a sameness to it, and it was a good record. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not not knocking it. Uh, it's just not something I put on as much as say Black Metal One. Uh, yeah, even though yeah. you know the second Hooded Menace didn't hit as immediately as the first one, it's good, but it's, it's just not as yeah. That's that's almost kind of the the watchword for this year is subtle. Subtle, a lot of subtleties. Yeah, yeah. never crossed the dead. That was a pretty pretty cool 
cool record. There were some records that were put out early in the year, like Unleash's uh, As Yagdrazel Trembles, which uh, came out around the same time as the Cathedral, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. And that was yeah. like, those early are both great records. Yeah. Um, I didn't stick with the Unleash as much as, say, the Cathedral. I didn't keep pulling it out, you know, throughout yeah. the year, you know. But uh, it's nice to know that Unleash is at, at least back to some kind of consistent level, you know. Well, yeah, they're back at what they do best and not experimenting. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, and then you had alongside, you know, kind of in the, the Swedish vein, you, I mean, you had the Crown put out a, a pretty decent record. Reformed. Yeah, you know? it, uh, it got, I think, a little bit more praise than I think it deserves, but it's, it's a solid record. It's not Death Race King or mm-hmm. uh, Crowned in Terror, but it's still, it's a solid you know, yeah, yeah, it's way better than anything soil works done the last ten years. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying much, but yeah, exactly. And you know, a few other things that that just make make uh, just miss making our list. You know, the high on fire, snakes of the divine could have been there. I, mean, I, I think very close. I think it's a great list. record, but it's not a record that. And I listened to it a lot when it came out, but it's pushing almost a year old now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it came out really early in the year, and I'd had a, a promo before that, and it's just not. It wasn't sticking with me like a lot of this other stuff that yeah. you know we're going to be highlighting. Sure, you know um, the Melancash record, which just came out, probably came out a little too late for uh, it to make a, a big impact with us because Melancash is a band that like I don't immediately listen to, even though I have uh, the Epigenesis. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that like I need to kind of take some time with, and I just haven't done it. And and maybe yeah. maybe it'll be a great record that in in hindsight in 2010 but we'll do a hindsight show but i mean one thing right off the bat uh for melakesh at least the production's fantastic sure it's very organic and and analog and a lot of cool uh you know they use a lot of the traditional like middle eastern and turkish instruments and Mm -hmm. things like that you know and we we had met with the melakesh guys last summer at the maryland death fest and Mm -hmm. they talked to us quite a bit about how i think we just met with ashmedi pretty much him yeah and uh you know and just talked about the the production of that record um you know, you had a couple of, I guess, more offbeat records, which are the, I guess, lesser, uh, lesser versions um, of albums that we will be featuring, like the Agalock, like the Dawnbringer, things like mm-hmm. that. But you had, you know, the Ludicra, uh, the Tenant record on Profound Lore, which is a great record, and I, I listened to it quite a bit for a little while, but. In hindsight, I just didn't pull it out much the last four four months or so. Yeah. And then the uh, Elcest record, which. Um, Boy, uh, Ekeles de Lune, uh, possibly. Uh, Ekeles de Lune? I don't know. Ekeles de Belibi. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, pretend that I can... And, and we will be talking about some more French bands later, but, yeah. uh, you know, the the Elsass was great. It just was, a, a, you know, um, a background kind of record that I would put on and, and not really absorb as much. But it didn't, yeah, it didn't have that kind of initial excitement i think is that first record yeah. where it kind of blew everybody away sure and it's uh, and again it might be a grower it might be something like i turn to and, and one day it just clicks for me and and i liked it you know these mm-hmm. are records the reason we're talking about these is not because we think these are crappy records these are records that just barely oh, missed we could have done a top our, 40 yeah but we don't i don't think we have the time and you guys probably don't have the oh, patience yeah, exactly to that's that's a lot of that's a lot to expect and then a record that probably was my number 11 uh mark and i each kind of assembled 10 records um each, even though a lot of them, there's tons of crossover. Pretty much the whole yeah. thing is crossover, but uh, you know, really wanted to put that atheist record Jupiter on there, um, and I like it. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's a great comeback. A really good record. You know, and, it's raw. Uh, it's, it's just you know, it's like last year the obscure record just missing the you know the boat. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's not a great record. You know, by any means. Um, I know for me, and I know Decibel kind of agreed. The new Fear Factor was actually our Fear Factory, not Fear Factor, we eat bugs and shit. <laughs> uh, but the new Fear Factory mechanized was uh, probably the best thing they've done in like you know 
15 years, which is not saying much because the things they've done the last 15 years are pretty shitty, but yeah, it's a, it harkened back to, to so the glory years, I guess. Um, do you know? Yeah. I finally got off the burrito truck and yeah. played some guitar again. <laughs> I don't know if he's off the burrito truck, but oh, he's, he's at least he got up he, momentarily. Yeah, exactly. And then a record I got recently and it was featured pretty highly in the decibel top 10 is the thou summit. And unfortunately it's sort of like funeral drone sludge doom which means i've got to be in the mood to really absorb this record yeah. and i just haven't done it yet but uh really nice layout comes with a, a nice patch and stuff oh too. It's, it's it's beautiful the, the um, thing is the whole my i guess uh trepidation about all these lists is that what there's there's really outside of i think there's a couple different reasons why people do them one is for uh for street cred to be more underground than thou yep um, uh, Huh? More underground yes. than Thou yeah, Summit. That was an yeah. unintentional uh, <laughs> pun there. Uh, it's either that or uh, or just you know like sh- kind of showing all this extra knowledge you have. But what I tried to do when assembling mine was stuff that I really listened to and really really enjoyed, even mm-hmm. if it's not stuff that uh, if some some of it's more mainstream or obvious. But the the underground stuff that I pulled out or the really deep underground stuff is stuff that I honestly really really yeah. enjoy, and I think that's kind of the that's that's the, the same approach well and and we've got yeah we're two guys doing it instead of like you know when uh, when a magazine comes up it's all the editors and all the writers and stuff like that so um, i just want to kind of throw that out and and mark and i coming from because of you know living together and because of doing the show we tend to have more of a uh kind of a star trek mind meld kind of thing because you know we're we're kind of recommending the same records to each other all the time Mm -hmm. hey have you heard this you know it's like uh, when we get to the ghosts, you know, talking about that story, you know, you're oh, like yeah. down in the basement, you hear this really <laughs> weird thing I'm listening to, and you're like, what the hell was that? And then next thing you know, Mark's got it down in the basement, listened to it eight times in a row, and then he's oh, yeah. telling me about it. And, and it kind of blends that way, and it's, it's kind of neat. Um, a couple other things, the Abigail Williams was a pretty decent record. The uh, Yeah, if you miss Old Emperor, boy, that's a pretty good substitute. The I was a big fan of the Charred Walls of the Damned. I mean, I, I feel like they finally kind of found a really good use for, for Ripper's vocals. Yeah, and, uh, like the, I've heard like three or four tracks, and I I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, what it's I a wish fun record, Demons you know? and Wizards would be. Yeah, exactly. It's what the next, the second Demons and Wizards really yeah. should have been. So that shitty record. And then uh, the Cast of Vat record was was pretty fantastic. Kind of shimmering black metal stuff. Burzum, I mean, needs to be acknowledged. Uh, had some good moments to well, it. Well, it's, it's Philosophy yeah. in Part 2. Yeah. Basically, yeah. it was like, it was nice to see that people can actually go back to what they were kind of known for originally, or at least the the aesthetic, mm-hmm. and go back to. It. And I think I think Bellis is a is a is a solid record. It's not on my list, but I did listen to it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mowed some lawns to it for sure. Yeah. I, I often mow lawns to Burzum. I don't know why. <laughs> so, uh, that and Allison Chains records, but. Um, you know um, the nails record. You know we have been wanting to hear that for a <laughs> while. Got we it today. Literally got it in the mail today, uh, and it's great. You know, it's, I mean, it's good. It fits in with the black breath and some of the other and kind trap of, them and that kind of yeah. whole like uh, you know the, the the entombed worship kind of stuff. Yeah, and a couple of I guess non metal records. I'll give a kind of shout out. I don't know if you would consider the Sailors with Wax Wings to be a non metal. It's very subtle. It has guys from Current ninety three, Slow Dive, uh, Swans, and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's guy from Pyramids, and and I've been listening to that a lot and starting to absorb it. Uh, Maybe given like another month or so, it might have shown up on my list, but but not at this point. And then uh, I really dug the Black Keys record, uh, Brothers. Uh, I've heard a lot of stuff about it, but I, it's it's, an, it's since, a nice record. Since yeah. I haven't worked at a record store, I have no idea of of what you know half the stuff that's out there. I just don't have the exactly. the mental faculties to do sure. it. I know the the new shipping news is actually really good. I've heard that, but yeah. I don't own it. The new Arcade Fire was was decent too, and then Man's Gin uh, and the new Dax Riggs, both of those mm-hmm. records kind of share. A, kind of commonality in terms of the fact that they're both vocalists for for extreme metal bands you know uh acid bath and, and cobalt. cobalt uh but i really have been getting that man's gin a lot the last couple of weeks it kind of sounds like a alice in chain sap but with like some 
some more well, and it's, cobaltisms or something. Yeah, you it's, know? it's really honest, though. That's I think that's the big thing. It's because yeah. you could. It's really easy to do something like that and have it come across as being pandering. Sure, but sure. It, it comes across really genuine. And then uh, the, the autopsy. That was that was a great release. The EP, the, the EP and full the length coming. Yeah, and the torch songs for singles, which you know I I kind of get mad at Dustful uh, for ranking that so high because I feel like it was kind of a, an EP, but I don't know. It's totally an EP. You know, I mean, Torch is great. I'm I'm a huge Torch fan, but. You know, I don't know. Anyways, I I know the 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 desk was a boner for those guys. So, and that happens. We've got boners for like Paradise Lost and Catatonia. So <laughs> yeah. it happens. But uh, but anyways, what what did make the list this year? Now let's let's turn to well, that. Kylesa, obviously. Yeah, let's talk about uh, uh, a, a record that I think. Well, at least in your in your case, you didn't really even. I guess penetrated until month or so. Yeah, uh, I, I had it in the summertime or whenever it came out, late summer, early, early I got, fall. Yeah, I had a uh, an early promo <laughs> that was uh, well. It was some some labels like to stream things, and uh, being crafty on the internet, I recorded it as one big track and listened to it quite a bit. And I didn't really digest it as songs, but as an, really? as an entire album. And people, I think, were a little bummed out after you know, Static Tensions was an unbelievable record. Uh, yeah, they thought this was the follow up was going to be. I don't know what they expected, but this is kind of what I wanted. From yeah. it. There's a lot more indie rock influence. There's very lots of pixies Very yeah. pixie stuff. And you heard that in the, the, the last song, Cheating Synergy, there, that we open up with some kind of very like dynamic indie mm-hmm. kind of you know riffing. And, and I don't want to call it soloing, but just the riffing that was sort of used. You know? Leads and stuff, yeah. But then you had like the, the punch in the face kind of stuff, like the opener, Tired Climb, which is so primitive simple i mean it's just the whole the same. record is it's, it's like almost a hip-hop simple. beat you know yeah da 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 you know i mean it's just and uh, i don't cool. know if i think some people are, are pissed off about the uh the use of two drummers when it doesn't necessarily seem like it's uh, it adds it's a needed. layer to it though I, that, it does like, but it's not it's not as obvious as it was in static tensions where mm-hmm. he had like almost like blast beats along with somebody else doing a more standard rock i feel beat. like they're doing more like tribal kind of stuff where everybody is yeah. playing the same rhythm but there's like a added layer because i think it's the whole thing is so stripped down and unified that it's not you can't necessarily pick out okay this is guitar a and this is guitar b and whatever you yeah know? yeah this is the drummer one and two and but if you haven't gotten into this kyleza yet because you know you had heard kind of mixed things about it uh it grows uh, on you quite a bit and i really feel like they're utilizing their extremes well you know yeah. their extreme dynamic like their extreme indie side and then this when they need to bludgeon they can bludgeon too but overall it's got like a almost a warmth to it that's that's well and i think cool. if uh if you have the chance to see them live we've missed them a couple times it seems like yeah. now um but everybody that i've seen that i've talked to that's seen them on this last tour uh with high and where they're supporting high and fire and torch yeah, yeah and torch unbelievable I think live is is really their forte and where they they shine the most, like yeah. a, a lot of bands. But and uh, I'm Facebook friends. We are with Flora, <laughs> and so we, we you know sometimes communicate with her a little bit. But uh, yeah, so and and then kind of I guess in the sludgy doomy uh, realm is kind of where we're going next. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about Cathedral, which the guessing game came out early in the year. We we mentioned it. Uh, I remember kind of getting this around the same time as Unleashed. You know, yeah, early like January or something like that. And um, it's a double record. Nuclear Blast put it out. Uh, I guess it's a double it's four record. Four LPs. Yeah, I mean it's it's it cost a lot me forty dollars. It's a lot to absorb. <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic. It's my favorite thing they've done since like End Time, probably. Well, uh, the yeah this this record. I mean, it's the first uh, Garden of Unearthly Delights they put out in two thousand five. So it's been like a five year gap basically. 
And I think Cathedral for the last 10 years or so have been kind of battling with themselves. Like, okay, are we going to go back to more like force of equilibrium stuff? Like it was hinted in end time. End time yeah. Or are we going to do whatever we want to do? And this seems like a record they did for themselves mm-hmm. because like uh, the second track, uh, actually, no, it's a, well, yeah, it's the second track. Cause there's like a little like intro kind of piece. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It goes immaculate uh, misconception and then funeral of dreams, which has a bunch of really weird, just uh, eclectic, bizarre vocal stuff. Yeah. Really reminiscent of the Voyage of the Homo Sapien off of uh, the, the EP Cosmic, uh, Cosmic, Cosmic Requiem EP. It's, it's been named like six different things, yeah, I think. Yeah. But uh, th- yeah, that was where they completely like kind of went off the deep end with their, their influences and just let everything Babies go. Babies crying and all kinds of stuff. It's, yeah. It's really And cool. uh, this record is just, it, it just seems like, like four guys really having a good time. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what I want out of a Cathedral record because... I've liked them on all of their basically all of their weird tangents they've ever wanted, except for Supernatural Birth Machine. It was pretty lackluster. It's boring, but it's still it has some good songs. On there's it. some good songs on yeah, it. Yeah. I, I got into it. Fireball Demon, dude. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the song we're gonna hear next, uh, "Painting in the Dark," uh, you know, uh, infectious bass lines. Uh, it's got some great gas leads on it. I mean, it's just oh, as kind soon of as a, the, the bass line starts out, you just want to start shaking your ass or yeah, something. You know, yeah. it's, there's it's a couple hilarious. ass shakers you'll be hearing in, in oh, yeah. all this. And just so you're aware, uh, well, and you probably already know this because I'm sure that episode two and episode three are, are downloading uh, currently as you're listening yeah, yeah. to this. But uh, we're, we're planning on extending this out so we can uh, play the songs we want to play instead of only playing the uh, short songs and different things so uh you'll you'll well, be given a lot of context behind it too yeah yeah so uh you're, you're in for the long haul with us for a little while but uh this could possibly be your entire drive to and from grandma's house yes it could be although this will probably be new year's eve party by the time oh this that's right place, so well yeah when you're when you're being the designated driver exactly yeah throw this on exactly i'm sure all the drunk people in your car will appreciate <laughs> cathedral painting in the dark so uh but um the the theme of this next set of music which we'll uh we'll kind of come back and talk about the other two bands are uh our british bands that have been around for a while who are uh underappreciated underappreciated and still kind of uh you know still flying the flag. Yeah. still flying the flag so uh enjoy cathedral and then anathema and iron maiden and we'll uh we'll, we'll come back and talk about those tunes in a bit well if this is reality you can stick it i'm off to do some painting in the dark <laughs> Just 
That was The Alchemist from Iron Maiden's Final Frontier. Uh, then we heard A Simple Mistake from Anathema's We're Here Because We're Here. And then, we, of course, we started with Cathedral Painting in the Dark from The Guessing Game. So. Now, Jason, Anathema's not metal. Why are they on the list? Oh, boy. Uh, well, you know, the, the, there are some heavy heavy moments. They're an emotionally heavy band, much like uh, Cathedral, or not My Cathedral, uh, My Dying Bride, or Paradise Lost, or, or Catatonia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, although Triptychon's definitely in the metal realm. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone knows, well, not everyone, but most most listeners of the podcast know that Anathema, you know, is roots lie in, in the British doom metal scene. Well, and the weird thing is that they've been, uh, as much as they've tried, I mean, for the last almost 10 years, they've tried to kind of shed that whole doom origin. Mm-hmm. They're still pigeonholed and marketed and uh, reviewed and interviewed by metal publications. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, either embrace it or don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, and and they've never seemed angry about that. They've just seemed maybe frustrated that they can't, uh, you know, break out and, and be able to kind of set something in motion for themselves. Much like well, I guess Chuck said, he was always kind of bothered by the fact they named his band Death. Yeah, you know, but you know, but, but at the same time, he embraced metal and he embraced what it was. And, oh yeah, and he he knew that he could kind of transcend that. You well, know? I think Anathema is. is Everybody kind of knows at this point they're kind of their own worst enemies. They've got this kind of entitled attitude that, okay, we've put in the hours and the effort. Uh, why are we not recognized for this stuff? Yeah. yeah. And that's not how it works. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not about hard work and perseverance. No. And uh, this is the first full length they put out in about five or six years. Uh, and it kind of picks up right where, where their last studio record, A Natural Disaster, kind of picked up or, or left off. Um, you know, some of the demos, especially for the song you just heard, A Simple Mistake, those were sitting around for a couple of years. We had access mm-hmm. to them. Um, I can't remember what they were called. They, they have kind of a title to them. Um, but, you know, the record as a whole, we're here because we're here. Uh, it's brighter. Uh, it's it's kind of subtle. It requires kind of some subtle, uh, some kind of more simplistic listening. It's not a car record. No. You know, you tried in the car a couple times. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a headphone record. And um, it's it's got some warmth to it that I really like. And in much in the same way that there were some of those... Um, tunes on, on natural disaster or even on um a fine date exit that seem to be kind of meandering or something or, or mm-hmm. just kind of um i don't want to say psychedelic but we'll we'll say dreamy because obviously that's they, they draw a lot of influence from pink floyd and, and some of that kind of scene um you know again if you're in the car or something like that you're you're missing a lot of the subtleties to it and it yeah. took me a few listens to kind of get into it outside of like say a simple mistake and a couple other songs that were pretty immediate yeah. you know simple mistake is pretty straightforward but but also epic in terms of the build that that, that kind of goes with it um i mean I, what can I say? I, I you know you, you as much as you love Cathedral, I probably love Anathema. I mean, they're right up there for me, and I know mm-hmm. you like Anathema as well. Oh yeah, I like Cathedral, but they're kind of one of those bands that you know I'll kind of go with them to the end of time. You know, much like you with Pride Paradise Lost. You know, where yeah. like they might go into controversial territory from I've, time yeah, to time. I followed Paradise Lost into some pretty awesome raves <laughs> yeah. and still made it out alive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of subtle, uh, Iron Maiden. Uh, totally. I mean, that's. A lot of people probably think, okay, enough of Iron Maiden. Or there, I think there's that crowd that wants them to do another Number of the Beast, which, okay, if you were if you did something 20 years ago, do you want to necessarily go back and do the same thing again? And let's not even say 20, let's say 30. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, Number that's of the true. Beast is, is old, you know I mean? Uh, yeah, it is. It's almost 30 years old now. Yeah. 
uh, but these guys, uh, I mean, the the average age of the guys in Iron Maiden is like fifty five or something, and they've basically not really they've they've been consistently putting out records forever now. Mm-hmm. And since Dickinson came back, the the kind of the post two thousand era or was it two thousand that came two thousand Brave New World, yeah. Brave New World or two thousand one? Yeah, it's one of those. It was two, Brave so. New World. Uh, there was a matter of life and death, Dance of Death, and yeah. then uh, Final Frontier. Final Frontier. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people were thinking, where the hell are they going to go? Yeah. And I think a lot of I know we just just recently kind of had a big maiden kick before the new record came out. Mm-hmm. Went back and listened to a Matter of Life and Death, which I think is an unbelievable record. And I really got into Dance of Death. Yeah. Or Dance of the Dead. Wait. Dance of Death. Dance of Death. Okay, yeah. I was right. Dance of Death's a COC song. <laughs> yeah. But just the records, they're not immediate. Yeah. And uh, they took, they they're, took a while. It's, uh, I think it's a lot of it's like Steve Harris kind of, it's going back to his like his fascination with prog music. Yeah. But now with the, like that infused energy with Adrian Smith back doing a lot of the songwriting. Actually, on Final Frontier, he did the Satellite 15 Final Frontier song, which mm-hmm. is, uh, it's a really weird intro this weird kind of like drum interlude thing yeah like space noises and shit (laughs) but uh it it really works well and it kind of sets the tone for the record that this is not you know what you typically think of iron maiden uh with uh what was their el dorado was kind of was a single which is probably the easiest one to penetrate but uh, alchemist i think is a good tune though the alchemist is a really good tune but it's just the whole uh, the whole record i've probably listened to it uh like probably 20 plus times Mm -hmm. and every time i listen to it I pick up something else or there's something else that kind of grabs my attention. Like, Oh, I want to hear that again. And it's just, uh, it's an unbelievable, I think it's one of the best things they've probably done since, since the late eighties. I don't know. It's hard to make a blanket statement like that, but it, it's, I think it stands well, really nineties. You don't really, I mean, you just almost exclude a lot of the nineties. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were some good blaze songs, but not albums as a whole. No, no. Yeah. And, and they, I don't think their albums necessarily worked as complete pieces. Like, like the last couple have. Yeah. And just, these are, these are guys that are like took completely in their prime and still have energy and fire. And it's, well, I think the the thing about these three these three records that we just kind of focus on, not not to mention the fact they all hail from England and they all have been around for you know twenty plus years or so, mm-hmm. is that they these are all three records that these people wrote for themselves. Clearly, these were oh, not like absolutely. commercially minded records at mm-hmm. all, and uh, and you have to commend bands who are who are willing to do that. And they're well, not following the trends, especially you know? a band that at at Maiden's you know kind of like level right now that yeah. they can still do that. And they, I, I mean, I just saw them for this tour. And they had, I don't remember what the capacity of the, the place was, but it was a huge outdoor arena. The place was absolutely packed. Mm-hmm. Demographics going from, uh, you know, dudes in their 50s and 60s, but it was like an entire family affair. Yeah. At the end of the show, uh, there's like a, I don't know, a two-year-old kid with these big, like, mufflers over their ears. And the, on the dad's uh, shoulders, and Nico McBrain came out and handed the kid the sticks. And That's awesome. It was just a cool, it's it's an interesting time to where these bands have been around for, I mean, Maiden's been around for 30-plus years or so now. And Maiden could definitely have rested on their laurels, and they, they, oh, just, absolutely. they haven't. You yeah. know, they've constantly upped the ante and challenged themselves or they as could songwriters. Have, they could have gone, you know, the, the road of, like, the Scorpions or something, too, and become kind of, like, weird commercial. Yeah, or, like, a parody of their old self or something. Yeah. Like that, you know, like Aerosmith or whatever. Some of these other bands that probably should have died of death. But outside of, of, I think the the only like misstep they did was the cover. Yeah, there's. I mean, I hate the the new Eddie, mm-hmm. which okay, that's just a taste thing. But the cool thing about it, you look at this and you're like, is this record from 2010 or is this from like 1988? You yeah. can't tell. Yeah, which you know, kind of like, uh, you know, Maiden. They're kind of timeless. Yeah. Yeah, but I yeah even compared. I mean, I liked the last few covers a lot. And, yeah, and this one just uh, well, this is kind of a, a return to 
you know, Eddie being on the cover up in the forefront, like Brave New World, he was like this ominous cloud. Mm-hmm. And then Matter of Life and Death. Uh, he was like he was, a tank or something. Yeah, he was just like a, he was like a soldier. Yeah. Dance of Death, he's kind of like a Grim Reaper character. Yeah. So. Yep. And uh, speaking of comebacks and people who, uh, you know, you know, just don't seem to know when uh, when life has them down and they, they decide to keep coming back. Uh, Tom G. Warrior is well, the warrior. Yeah, he's had some he's had some hiccups along the way, like uh, Apollyon Sun. Anyone? Yeah, uh, this I think. Cold late. Yeah, Cold Cherry Orchard. Actually, there's some stuff on those last couple Frost records that aren't bad. Well, no, no, I'm not talking. I'm not talking the one previous, the uh, the Parch with well, Thirst, uh, or no, not Parch with Thirst. What's Parch with Thirst? I'm dying. Uh, that's just a. No, a what's the what's the record after uh, Into the Pandemonium? That's actually really good that I picked up used. Or no, it is Cold Lake, but then there's one after that that's actually decent. Uh, and I can't. I can't even think of it right now. Yeah, the vocals are terrible on it, but there's some awesome riffs on yeah. that record. But I think uh, Monotheist, you know, the the Celtic Frost kind of comeback record, yeah. I think really kicked people in the nuts and like, holy shit, you know, this Tom G. Warrior still got it. He still got it. Yeah. And then there's all the, I guess, uh, political issues between him and Martin Ain, and mm-hmm. you know, the band kind of split and. I really had no expectation for what Trypticon was going to be. No, and and no one knew like you know the how oppressive and and the the various uses of like vocals that you hear on this this Trypticon record. Oh yeah, and Eparistera uh, uh, Demono, Demonos. We've got a lot of Demonos. Latin that's going to be on this. Yeah, episode. Uh, wait till we get to Eparistera Demonos. Yeah, uh, Trypticon. But uh, you know you've got the HR Geiger cover again uh, mm-hmm. to kind of keep with some consistent stuff. And I mean, just you know a lot of the songs that he wrote for this record was intended to be on the Celtic Frost follow-up to Monotheist, you yeah. know? And uh, we saw these guys live, and I mean, they were just absolutely oppressive, uh, but in a cool way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we were kind of bobbing our heads and stuff, but man, well, some of the people were with the strength hated it. You. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's that's one thing that uh, Tom's he's a really like upbeat, nice guy, passionate guy. But yet he can still pull this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's where he channels it all. Yeah, I mean, he really kind of cuts his veins open and kind of pours out his emotions yeah. into these songs. And, and he's uh, he's being backed by a band that are all probably people half his age, which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, the the two the the album opener uh, Goetia and then the prolonging the album closer are both over you know the ten twelve minute length. I mean, mm-hmm. the prolonging is like seventeen minutes of just like utter uh, you know. Depression and stuff, and this has gotten like critically really good response. Yeah, yeah, and even the the shattered EP that just came out not too long ago, where they do some Celtic Frost covers, yep. which we saw live. Them doing they uh, they have a video up for the the song shattered, and he seems to have just as much you know. Uh, vigor and enthusiasm. He had a lot of energy live, you know. I mean, and it was a small. I mean, the turnout was terrible at the show. Yeah. There's probably 25 people there. Yeah, and he still gave it his all. Okay. It was. Yeah, I, I can't recommend it. It's not like a record I throw on while I'm like, you know, want to get in the shower and have a fast, you know, like, sure. yeah, shampoo it's, my hair. It's, it's very avant metal, just like a lot yeah. of the Cel- Celtic Frost stuff has been of late. But, uh, you know, every song almost seemed to have its own, like, vocal approach. I mean, some of the stuff he's doing is, like, proto-death metal stuff. Oh, there's total death metal vocals you know? on this thing, yeah. And, uh, and it's it's a cool. And the song we picked out, My Epic Empire, um, is, is a nice little taste because you get kind of, the Celtic Frostisms, you get uh, some of the various vocal styles, and you get some of the avant stuff with the use of piano and female vocals and some different things mm-hmm. kind of going on there. So, 
But yeah, uh, going back to like into the pandemonium, I yeah. mean, it kind of like bridges all of everything he's done and, and really modernizes it without it sounding like he's trying too hard. Yeah, and I feel like now that he's kind of made this sort of follow up to Frost, uh, to, to Monotheist, like I think now he probably has a little bit of freedom to, to maybe, you know, pursue some of the more extreme angles a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. maybe write a heavier, not necessarily heavier, but like more death metal focused record. There, or there's even some passages in this where there's some like some pretty pretty i mean there's heavy guitars through the whole thing but mm-hmm. you know like the double bass like not blasts or anything but still the speed is there a little bit more than, yeah, than say what? monotheist which was just kind of like Shroom. dirge yeah yeah just a <laughs> yeah a funeral is what yeah. it's kind of sounded like you know so but uh so let's get into some trypticon and we've got trypticon my epic empire from the aforementioned record and then uh then we've got inquisition and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about inquisition when we come back that might be a one you you haven't heard before so
Lucifer. Punish your enemies, O Lord of the night. Destroy them all. Just heard Inquisition, uh, Command, oh, Command of the Dark Crown. I'll mm-hmm. tell you the, the album title as soon as we uh, go, get into it a little bit. Yeah. And we heard uh, Triptychon, Myopic Empire, off of the uh, 
the record we talked about earlier. <laughs> Eperisteria daemonos. It's the only one out there except for the Shattered EP. Daemonos. I, I feel pretty confident with that, but okay. uh, I don't know. I lived in Italy for a while, so maybe some Latin. Yeah, my, my Latin is my Norwegian and all that crap. That's bad. My Norwegian's actually getting better because I hung out with a oh, we had a, a, Norwegian, a Norwegian friend guest over here. Yeah, yeah so. it was over. So, uh, but the the Inquisition tune. Um, Ominous doctrines. Yeah, ominous doctrines of the perpetual mystical macrochasm. Uh, These guys say that again. (laughs) Ominous doctrines of the perpetual mystical macrochasm. That's the name of the record. That's the name of the record, and uh, it's way too long to probably fit on the spine of a CD. But yeah, these uh, guys—they're originally from Colombia, formed in 1988, and they're kind of a thrash metal act. And then '94, you know, the whole second wave of black metal came around, and they kind of turned into this this raw black metal type band and uh-huh. uh this is the first record i've heard from and now they're relocated in the pacific northwest yeah. correct yeah. yeah in uh 96 uh dagon uh based off of a lovecraft name mm-hmm. uh yeah moved to the i think he moved to, to california and then to the uh, pacific northwest and uh, hung out with his, uh, hooked up with this drummer guy and kind of i think created this little bit different sound than just straight up black metal and uh I think the one thing that people probably notice is like, wow, is this like an immortal side yeah. project? Yeah, the Abath vocals. Total Abath vocals. That and the, the the funny thing is I think the guys are pretty serious, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, because the, I mean, even on like some of like uh, uh, Chris, who's been on some of the podcasts before, yeah. writes for Decibel, um, Chris Dick of uh, teethofdivine.com, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he talked to these guys a little bit about the vocal stuff and like, well, where did that where did that come from? You yeah, know, and then not, they say like, bath. "Oh, we don't even get no mortal or something." Yeah, though they, yeah, there's basically tried to like distance themselves completely from it, and it's more of uh, the voice is a reflection of an unseen demonic entity. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. And then like all you heard like uh, thorns riffs, satiricon, satiricon riffs, and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting record. It's, it's layered. It's cool because there's a lot of like different layering. Really dense. Things, yeah, so. it's just like you're basically like you're getting this stuff poured on you, mm-hmm. and you can kind of hear like. The vocals through it but i've been i mean both of us have been rocking this out you especially a few days ago and then i had it in my car listening like three times last well i just days, yeah so. i just uh i just got this boy last three weekend. days ago yeah <laughs> from chris who was uh visiting us so. yeah so yeah i've listened to it i don't know 10 or 15 times and it's it's a it's a pretty sweet record it's, it's something different for uh for the whole black metal angle because we've got you know the the Despel omegas and the Watanes and that and this sure. kind of adds another i think uh it's kind of an area where we haven't really heard much in a while i mean immortal is so different than they used to be yeah this is almost like a weird mix of you know if satiricon and uh battles in the north kind of you know kind of together yeah yeah and then you know snore rook is coming on and like advising <laughs> yeah and doing these like sharp industrial kind of yeah. riffing stuff yeah. and, and there's really not enough there's there's not enough Thorn ripoff, you know. Like I'm, I'm there's sick. not enough Immortal ripoffs. Yeah, this is the first the Bath vocal ripoff uh, or homage or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it that I've ever heard. And so you know, I mean, you get so many Demu ripoffs and so many Emperor ripoffs. It's kind of refreshing in the black metal world to get yeah. some ripoffs of bands that uh, don't get ripped off enough, you know. So and somebody out there, for God's sake, do an Immortal cover. Yeah, I've never heard an immortal cover of anything. I I've, I just know of people who play guitar who have said that they they can't. Nobody knows how to what, even what he's uh, doing. Uh, a bath or a bath. A, he doesn't like not not like you're taking a bath. Yeah, but a bath. A bath. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was he he did like a, there's on YouTube there's a pretty hilarious guitar lesson thing, mm-hmm. and he 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 kind of wondered why nobody had figured it out because he doesn't think he's a very good guitar player. Yeah, he's just well, like oh I just do it like this, and it's just like. 
You yeah. see, watch his picking hands. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. <laughs> the, the, some of the speed stuff he's doing. So, but uh, yeah, Inquisition definitely a, a a killer record. And I mean, obviously, it had to have made such an impression on us to to have kind of crept into this list. But I think it's going to be a record that we're going to listen to way into 2011 and beyond. You know? Yeah, I mean, it was something kind of different too because I was a lot of the time I'm tempted to follow my the bands I've been following for 15 years, 20 mm-hmm. years at some point. Yep. And uh, I this kind of uh, actually edged out. Hooded Menace and uh, Hail of Bullets, which yeah, New Hail of Bullets, I want to bring up uh, real quickly though, is a f- really good record. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's uh, the next best thing since we haven't had Bolt Thrower on for a while, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's the next kind of progression because Hail of Bullets and, and Asphyx are kind of like, what's the point? Yeah, they're so similar, and they kind of veered off, I think, on their own definitely identity now. Some of the more Bolt Thrower melodic kind of elements there's a lot of melodicism like to it. Yeah, you know. Plus, it's cool that they're they're focusing on uh, the Pacific front of the war. You know, which mm-hmm. is cool. You know, because yeah. no one ever does a metal record on that. They no. only do like you know the <laughs> European front and stuff. So. But, uh, you know, I guess speaking of, of veering off, uh, we're going to end part one today with uh, a record that kind of snuck up on us in the last couple months. And, uh, you know, Decibel had brought it kind of to our attention and it, it ranked pretty high there. Um, and actually, I ordered this before we even got our Decibel issue, but I had, um, I don't know, like I had kind of poked around and seen like it ranked so high on, on mm-hmm. the thing that I was like, man, you know, so I started reading about this Dawnbringer nucleus record and, and I sort of said, wow, you know, this sounds like something worth just buying without even hearing it, you know, just taking a, a stab in the dark, which I kind of like to do sometimes kind of fun to, mm-hmm. you know, discover something new. And, uh, lo and behold, this band that, you know, we thought was brand new and they've been around for 15 years or so, you know, making like kind of records like in their house, basically, you know, and the well, main guy this is one was professor black, you know, um, what's his what's his real name? Chris Black. Chris Black. Yeah, yeah he used to write for Metal Maniacs. Metal Maniacs. Yeah, he did some uh, did some reviews and stuff. But the the thing that was always preventing these guys from, I guess, you know, puncturing through into the more of a mainstream sort of audience was the fact that the production was always so kind of self produced, horrible sounding. And then they got uh, Sanford Parker, who did like the the last few Nocturnes and different well, things. Like yeah, that. in the band as well. Yeah, and uh, and so that's awesome because. This song that we're going to play, like an earthquake, to sort of close things out. Uh, I wrote it's the best Nocturnum song of 2010. Uh, yeah, it's know. definitely got not, especially if you've heard uh, Black Metal Part Two Addicts. It's it's definitely got that kind of weird. Um, I don't even know how to really describe it, like a, a pseudo industrial ish kind of. Yeah, it's, vibe, it's got but, like a a, a a beat to it that that works, and it's. Uh, but the thing about Dawnbringer, and this is like over the last I don't know what four or five years now, the, the whole kind of resurgence of thrash. Mm-hmm. And there's all there's a bunch of bands I think that have done it really well, like you know Toxic Holocaust and Municipal yep. Waste, and uh, there's a handful of others. Um, but then there's there like Earache, and particularly has. Uh, a shit ton of these bands that are just like every couple months, White Wizard, all, all these bands that are just kind of fulfilling that need. And Dawnbringer is almost going back, like you know, to like early Priest and yeah. like eighties and seventies hard rock. Yeah, bringing that in, bringing that sensibility. And but it's not, it's not like an homage. It's just like okay, here's that riff, and then here's a riff that sounds like it could be on a Dark Throne record, and then it. But it all kind of comes together seamlessly, really weird. Sure, and it's then a it's our record. And I think it's really cool too that he's able to pull it off with the the clean vocals too, because it's kind of like mm-hmm. a breath of fresh air to hear something that you know this is a record I can play like around my students, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I have, and it's it's cool because like a lot of the kids who are into metal or even 
not even just like extreme metal stuff, but like Metallica, and they'll be like, "Dude, this this is rocking. This guy's <laughs> yeah. you know, and it it does. It has and a sort of old feel to it. Yeah, he doesn't know? have a great voice, but he's got a lot of like heart behind yeah. it, and yeah. he doesn't like try to go beyond what he can do. Sure. And there's some moments like early in the record where he kind of has some lemmyisms, you know. Yeah. So it's it's a little rough around the edges, but on this, like it's it's very. Uh, it, it feels kind of like a. Like an anthem, it's very. But well, the whole record is yeah. really like triumphant. Yeah, and I mean, "Old Wizard" is one of the best songs. Of the yeah, year. that's a sweet. That's a sweet, <laughs> sweet song. I picked this one because of the shredding and some of the Gothenburg kind well, of stuff. "Old Wizard" is kind of an anomaly on the record yeah. too. But yeah. yeah, "Old Wizard," take my hand so I can understand. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, Dawnbringer, like an earthquake. This is a, a good way uh, to close out part one of our, our countdown. And uh, this is, I think, the first of uh, a couple releases from Profound Lore, which uh, was definitely one of the, the record uh, companies of the year in terms of like some of the quality that they were able to put out, like the Ludicra mm-hmm. that we mentioned earlier. You know, uh, and we didn't mention that Inquisition was actually a No Colors, which uh, was kind of a it was kind of a notorious. Uh, well, Graveland was one of the big uh, uh, proponents of you know the Aryan bullshit black metal stuff. Yeah, uh, but apparently uh, I've been I've been assured that No Colors is no longer following that front because Aryans don't really have that much money. Yeah, disposable income. I don't think, <laughs> and you're missing out on like you know South America. They yeah. love metal, and I don't I think say, they South like America, racism. Not, not terribly Aryan, but yeah, uh, not not too white. Um, but yeah, it's going to be reissued here in the states. I I forget which label it's going to be on the states. Something small, but cool. It should be available soon. Cool. So uh, enjoy Dawnbringer, like an earthquake, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see you in two and two. Yeah, we'll see you in a, in a moment. 